Uh, let me ask you a question, though. When you were a kid, there was a toy um, that at least I got as a kid, and sometimes I'm sure you got it once in a while, either an aunt or an uncle or somebody, you go into a grocery store and there's things hanging there by the checkout. Have you guys ever seen those toys? You buy them. They're called toys, but they're really not. You buy them. They're this big. You stick them in water. And like a day later, they're this big. It's the same thing. It's just bigger. See that thing right there, whatever that is. And then we got some other things. I, I remember having like a little man and then I think I had an alligator once, a green alligator. So like as a kid, it was exciting. But, and you wanted to see this thing turn into something. You wanted to see it grow, get bigger. And then I remember like the next day being super disappointed because after an hour of playing with a wet piece of sponge, I'm kind of bored. <laughs> like, do we have another? Let's grow another one, you know? Uh, I, my kids, we, my girls actually got some of these things recently. And we put them in the sink and we did it, unfortunately, close to night, like before at bedtime. We put it in the sink at like five o'clock and it says it takes four hours to grow. Well, bedtime's at seven, you know, and they're at like 645 looking in the sink. I'm like, it's not growing in front of your eyes, girls. They're like, when's it going to get big? I'm like, tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning? That's insane. Can we stay up? No, you're not staying up to watch this thing in the sink. It's, it's, it's time for bed. And so like I've, I, that toy to me has never really been a toy. It's been more of an exercise in patience right? For me as a parent, it's an exercise in patience. Like, if you guys go look in that sink one more time, Haley, if you touch that thing in the water one more time, I'm going to freak out. Let it alone, go play, come back and play with it tomorrow, right? And it's kind of like a silly waste of money, but it's, a, it's, it's an exercise in patience that we get kind of excited about because it's short term. I think we as people don't like things. We love things that grow. We hate things that take time. Something that takes a long period of time that we can't instantly look and see the change. We wonder, did it really change? You know, I, I love um, time-lapse photography, right? We, can't, we, we are people of the moment, and we don't like things that are way ahead of us. I want to turn in Matthew chapter 13, if you would, verse 31. This is um, one of the first couple of parables that Jesus gives, and we're actually going to skip a couple of them, and we're going to go back to them next week. Um, Matthew chapter 13. The beginning of 13 is really where we see these parables start to take shape. We see the parable of the sower, then we see that explained to us, then we see the parable of the weeds. And I'm really excited about both of them, but for some reason the Holy Spirit kind of challenged me and said, I don't want you to preach on that today. I want you to preach on the next one because it's, who, it's what we need today. Make sense? So that's why I'm out of order. If you're like, I don't like this. I like it in order. I'm sorry. I like things in order too, but we're doing the third one first. <laughs> so um, verse 31, it's the mustard seed and the leaven. We're going to read this together. Verse 31, he put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took he sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it is grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and has become a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nest in, it, in its branches. And he told him another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it is all leavened. 
So Jesus says, so what do, we, what do we think about the kingdom? What's the kingdom of heaven like? If I could give you an example of how the kingdom works, what is it like? Oh, it's like a mustard seed. It's the smallest of all seeds. It's this tiny, tiny little seed that's when it's planted, what happens when you plant it? Do you see it? It disappears, right? You can barely see a mustard seed in your own hand. But then you plant it and you can't see it. It says the kingdom is like this mustard seed that a man came and sowed. This morning I want to point out to you that the man that Jesus is talking about is himself. He brings the kingdom, right? He is the one who has sown it. Actually, in, in the Greek, if you look at sown it into the ground, it's actually the earth is another way of saying it. So he has come, he has brought the kingdom in seed form, planted it on the earth. That's what the kingdom of heaven's like. It's so small you can't see it, but when it's grown, it becomes larger than any other garden thing that we try to grow. It becomes a tree, and then the birds come and they can nest in there. The next thing he says, oh, I, let me point out one other thing. That mustard seed and this le- the leaven it's, should be very important to us in our understanding, not just because it's in Scripture, but it's in all three of the synoptic Gospels, which is rare. When something's said in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we need to take a really high highlight of it. Make sense? This is something in all three of those. So Jesus says this, and all those guys are like, yeah, we need to record this. That's, this, is, this is foundational for us. So it's in all three. So then the next part is, he told another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. Now, I want to point out a few ideas about this. So three measures of flour, leaven, yeast, right? It's yeast. So you put a little yeast in the flour. Three measures. Now, when we think of three measures, my mind, who's not a cook, not a baker, and not a part of this culture, thinks, oh, three of those little cups that I get out of the drawer, you know, when Ashley wants me to help. Basically, when I help her bake, I get things out, and then I clean them all up. (laughs) And I'm like, this is no fun for me at all. She's like, oh, but you get to eat it. I'm like, that's true. But I have to wash dishes now. But anyway, I think of three measures. I'm thinking, oh, one scooper, two scoopers, three scoopers. That's not three measures at all. Three measures is a 16-pound bag of flour. The kingdom of heaven is like somebody putting, he says, this woman taking leaven and putting it in a 16-pound bag of flour. 16-pound bag. That's about, a, it's a bushel of flour, 16-pound bag. When you add water to it, it becomes about 101 pounds of dough. That's a lot of bread, right? When I was in college, I had to work for a, a pizzeria. It's kind of a, a funny story. I walk in looking for a job, and there's this dude with, like, long dreadlocks in, like, some kind of, like, Rastafarian cap thing. He's like, here, here's an application. I'm filling out the application, and he's like, eh, I'll fill it out later. You can start tomorrow. I'm like, Yes! I'm like, where am I starting? He's like, you're washing dishes. I'm like, oh. So I go, I show up, I'm washing dishes, washing dishes for an hour. And he's like, hey, why don't you come on in the kitchen? You can help me with some things in the kitchen. We'll get somebody else to wash dishes. I'm like, yes. Before long, I'm like working there two weeks, and I'm making pizza, pies, like lasagna. I'm making all these things that I have never made before in my life, right? And I remember one day that he's like, hey, you need to make the pizza dough for this week, I'm like, or for, the, for today. I'm like, all right, no problem. Give me the instructions. He gives me instructions. I'm in the back. This pizza, I'm making 50-some pounds of pizza dough in this big metal bowl. You know how you mix that with these things? So here I am, a college student, in the back of a restaurant, 
punching pizza dough. And I am sweating hard after a while. It's a lot of dough. That's a lot of heaviness. You, you guys know what I'm talking about? Like you, you play with a little dough, it's a little tough. You 50-some pounds of dough, you're working it. I'm thinking, man, I feel bad for whoever's eating this pizza. I am sweating. My arms are hairy. I got no gloves. I did wash them, but man. <laughs> anyway. I'm kidding. That place is shut down now, just so you know. Um, it was delicious pizza, though. I'm not going to lie. But like, so when I think of this, and I realize this is not some little loaf of bread that a woman makes in the oven. This is a massive thing that she's preparing for. And I think of how hard it was for me to knead 50 pounds of dough. How much more difficult is 100 some pounds of dough? Three measures of this bread. This parable that Jesus says, I want you, he's like, I want you to understand. It's like the little bit of yeast that makes a feast. Make sense? He's, this woman's not preparing for her family for the week. This is, this is a feast of bread. And the kingdom of heaven, we've talked about before, there's way more feasting than fasting when it's talking about the kingdom of heaven. We are invited to a supper of the Lamb, right? The marriage supper. We are people that get to be a part of a feast. And he's saying, let me, let me explain to you the kingdom. The kingdom is this little thing that you can't see, and when it's done, it makes a lot for us to feast on. It's awesome. You can't find it, though. Have you ever tried, have you ever pitched yeast and then got, tried to find the yeast later? It doesn't work, does it? It's dissolved and you can't see it, but you see its effects then through time as the dough begins to rise. Make sense? It brings, how does dough rise? What happens there? It begins the carbon dioxide, right, in there? It starts bringing air into it. Breathes life. <laughs> Breathes life to us, right? That's Genesis. He's breathed life into us. The kingdom of heaven is this little thing you can't see that brings life into this thing. We, now we have a feast. See, I want to say something that everything God does, everything that he does in our lives and, and on the earth starts out in seed form. It starts out with us as a seed in the womb. It starts off with us as a seed in the mind of God. The kingdom starts off on the earth as a seed buried and hidden in the ground or a seed of yeast, a little bit of yeast hidden inside wet, mushy dough. Make sense? Flour. It starts off as something you can't recognize as anything of substance or power. It starts off small and has to grow into something. Can you, have you ever thought of the, the redwoods in California? Has anybody ever been to the redwoods in California? It's amazing. I got a chance to go out there this last year, and I'm standing there with friends who are there all the time because they live in California, but here I am, a Pennsylvania boy, and I'm like, can we stay here all day? They're like, well, we got a long drive. I'm like, I'll take an Uber. I didn't. I rode with them, but I was kind of sad. It's something about standing there underneath these massive redwood trees, and you're like, I am so small in the grand scheme of his creation. But you know how redwood starts? this big it's a tiny little shell this morning I was up front and I I was kind of overwhelmed for a minute during communion because I'm watching all these moms carrying their kids we are a church full of people who have experienced the seed planted in the womb and how long did it take to hold your kid nine months 
You watch this thing. You need to take a picture every month just to see how big your stomach got and post it on Instagram, right? I'm this big now. I'm like, I'm always this big. So. <laughs> I'm trying to work on that. I'm trying to do a little reversal action right now. So anyway. But uh, it starts out as a seed in the womb. And God has designed the world in that order. For everything to smart, start off as his fingerprint, his mark, and then watch it expand and grow. That's the kingdom of God. See, we can't see what will become, but we need to know that it's already here. His kingdom is already here. Who's the one planning the kingdom? It's not you and I. He has done it. He has brought it. He has planted it on the earth. He has planted it in the hearts of men, and it will grow. It will grow. See, this, when Jesus said this, it went right in the, in the face of all the religious leaders, even the face of the disciples, because they were waiting for a messianic rule of the kingdom of God that would be quick, sudden, violent, and in your face. They were waiting for this Messiah to ride in, not on a donkey, but on a big horse with swords and a group of men behind him. They were waiting for this mighty hero to come and overthrow Rome in a matter of weeks. And he's like, this is not my kingdom at all. Let me explain the kingdom. The kingdom is a seed planted in the ground. It's this tiny mustard thing. It's the smallest thing you can imagine the kingdom looking like. Let's go smaller. That's where I'm going to start it, but I will grow it. We like things that we can watch in front of our eyes, but that's not the way it typically is with the kingdom or the gospel. Now, I can think, I can look at our lives, I can look at my, li- my life and reflect on where God has brought me, almost like a personal time lapse. And I'm like, okay, there I see the kingdom. Okay, there I can see the kingdom. Make sense? Like if we look at our lives or the lives of those around us who have been wrecked with the gospel, it, usually, it probably wasn't an overnight like sinner and then like, oh, this is a quality church leader right here, right? What we've seen is God taking us and growing us and shaping us and renewing our minds, right? Transforming us into his image. And so I can look back just last week or two weeks ago when Jared was here, we sat in my living room at like 11 o'clock at night and we thought about our own church history, City Lights Church history, which is a span of six and a half years. (laughs) But in that six and a half years, I said, do you remember, like, where did we start? Okay, so this is the ragtag group of people that we started the church with. This is the empty pockets, lack of experience, failed attempts, basically nothing good. (laughs) And God has grown a church in the city. And it's only his goodness that he's like, I'm going to plant my kingdom, go be a seed. And then he grows it, right? Literally, I was with my professor at Bible college last week. And I was telling, he was talking about, you need to write some of, things, some of these things down in a book. And I shared with him an idea that Jared and I had about our beginnings. And basically, everything they teach you in college of how to start a church, we did the opposite. <laughs> and he said, that's the title for your book. We did what they told us not to do. I'm like, yep. But like that, the kingdom starts off as a seed, right? It starts off small. And sometimes it's messy, sometimes it's dirty. God has started a work in us. And I want you to get this this morning. God has started a work in this city. And so, 
so often we get frustrated with him because we don't see what we dream it to be. We don't see the tree yet. We don't see that redwood yet. We still see that little sprout, or maybe we don't even see the sprout. We just see the dirt. And we're like, you're not even doing anything. We question his goodness because we don't see his tree that he promised yesterday. We wonder, God, are you at work here? I want you to uh, look First Peter chapter 1, verse 13 through 25. And I, I actually talked about this passage the other week where it talks about us being holy as he is holy, and the be there is only used here in Scripture um, because it's passive. It means it's done to you, so you become it. It's a command to be it, but yet you just receive it. It's a weird word, right? But I want to look a little further in this passage. Chapter 1, verse 13, 1 Peter. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that you will that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourself with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that You were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of the lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundations of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him we are believers in Christ, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God having purified your souls by your obedience and to the truth of your sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of a perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God, for all flesh is like grass and all of its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. We have been born of an imperishable seed once we received his word. Make sense? We have a, a seed inside of us that's constantly growing and will never die. Right? It'll never end. This kingdom inside of you and I that he put in there, the day of your salvation, the day, the day you received him, it was planted in you and it's imperishable. It won't stop. The kingdom will come out of it. Make sense? His word will come out of you because he planted it there. And it's imperishable. You have to understand this. The seed that he put in you will never die. It was planted by him on the earth 2,000 years ago and will continue to grow on the earth until the end of time. Let me just go on a second rant. It has nothing to do with my notes. I'm so tired of this doom and gloom Christianity that, that we can't wait for everything to burn up so that God can come back and make all things new. No, he's making this earth renewed and he is declaring the gospel throughout the earth and he will continue to do that. Make sense? This false theology that God can't wait to destroy the earth is not scriptural. Yes, there are wars and rumors of wars, but there have always been wars and rumors of wars, right? And so we need to be aware that he is building his kingdom and he will fully bring his kingdom one day. We got to have a completely different mindset about the earth. 
Not like I want to burn it, burn it up and start from scratch. No, God, you are making all things new. How do I engage in the earth with that? We are ministers of reconciliation, not death and destruction. And let's start all over. That is not the gospel. That's anyway. That's not my notes this morning. I am excited to know that when I believe that the kingdom of God is like a seed that was planted by him, not by you and me, but planted by him 2,000 years ago, I have to know that it's imperishable and that when the scripture says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord, it's truth and it's solid and there's nothing you and I can do to change that. When I believe that, that he who has started a good work in you is faithful to complete it, I have to know that that's true. I don't see it completed. I don't see every knee bowing in Scranton. I don't see every tongue confessing in this city. Make sense? But here I see it because here he says it. This morning I want to encourage you that there are promises that God has put in your heart and in your mind for your life personally and for his kingdom globally. And it might start off of a seed, but it will grow. If he's planted it, it will grow. If he's put it inside of your heart, it will happen. Remember, the work that God is doing in your life rarely looks like much until it's full grown. It usually doesn't look like anything good at all until it's fully grown. Kendra, if you could play that track. I don't see Rich there, but make sure the audio is up. I have a track that um, I want you to listen to. Um, I was at a conference recently with the guys, and uh, this, this guy was our, the worship leader for the conference. And on his new CD, he shares a bit of his testimony, and I really felt it was right for us this morning to listen to. So. My wife and I are driving down our hometown. We're both sitting there. <laughs> Look at the car. It is something beautiful, because I've experienced that in my own life, where I knew God put a promise in my heart. And I didn't see it for a long time. And when you think back on those promises, you're like, okay, God, why? I'm, I'm thankful that I kept going. I kept running in faithfulness. I love that part where he said, don't give up. Don't be that guy on day, year six, day 364, that you just, I'm done. I'm out. I feel like God has given us, and I've said this before, God's given you and I a lot of promises about what his kingdom looks like in your life personally, dreams and visions that you have for your life for his glory, but in your life. And we have dreams for this city, what we see the kingdom of God looking like in Scranton, Pennsylvania. But we cannot give up. We cannot for a second believe that he hasn't already planted it. He's doing something. Make sense? Even when we don't understand it or see what he's doing. This morning, um, I probably shouldn't have played that clip before I have to say some things because I'm already emotional, so... Surprise, right? Um, this morning, I told you how Jared was here the other week, and uh, we were talking about our journey. Um, and this morning, I have some really awesome news to share with you um, regarding the journey of Jared Ruddy and his family. Um, so Jared planted this church here. Myself, Ben, and some others came to help support the vision. And two years ago, or no, almost three now, September will be three years um, that Jared transitioned to Buffalo, and I became the lead pastor here. And that was scary and intense, but yet God had been speaking it for a while, that God was calling them, to, Jared, to, tra- to do some itinerant ministry, to travel around, uh, to get connected in Buffalo, and still be my pastor. Make sense? 
And it was scary for me to walk into this church thinking, oh, it's, it's on me now. <laughs> it's not on Jared. And so God's grown, grown me in this. God's built some things in my, in my own heart over the last few years. And God's been doing something in Jared as well. But while I've been here getting more happy and excited about what God's doing here in Scranton, over the last few years I've watched Jared on the phone being like, God, what are you doing? Do you remember a few months ago I shared on a recent conversation um, that Jared had said to me on the phone that the term Jehovah Jireh means more than just provider. Do you guys remember this? It means the God who sees. Um, the God who sees what's on the other side of the mountain. So Abraham's going up the mountain with Isaac to make a sacrifice. And it's Jehovah Jireh, the God who saw and provided the ram on the other side. You can't see what's on the other side. You can't see what God's doing, but he's doing something. So kind of just walking through this journey with Jared over the last few years, like, God, what are you doing? Because I know what you're doing here in my heart. What are you doing with Jared? What are you, what are you taking us into? What are you taking him into? What are you doing? Because Jared is a part of this church regardless of him not being here. He is my pastor. So what, what's happening in his world is happening in my world. Make sense? Um, so that was kind of, the, kind of the life for a little bit for Jared recently. And a few months ago, Jared got a phone call from an old pastor friend saying, hey, can we have coffee together? And Jared's like, sure. And so he went to this church in New York um, and was having coffee with the pastor of this church. And the pastor kind of threw Jared a curveball. Um, he asked him if he would become the lead pastor of the church. The church is Elam Gospel Church in uh, Lima, New York. It's been around for a long time. Selena graduated from their Bible college there. It's got a large, uh, about 180 students, I think, right now. It's a credited Bible college. Um, so they're, a church has been doing things in the kingdom. They have three campuses, about a thousand or so people. And Jared's sitting there, and the guy says, I, it's, God's made it clear in my heart that we are transitioning, not out of anything bad, but he's just called us somewhere else. Would you and Aaron pray about it? So Jared and Aaron began to pray about it. And um, let me say this. Sometimes you just know when God's in something. You just know. You don't know why or what he's doing, but you just know he is. And this isn't the first church to offer Jared, you know, hey, come be the pastor. Um, and before this phone call, I was like, my dream is to have Jared Ruddy back in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Like that, I, I love Jared. Like, he, like he's got his giftings. I've got mine. We can do this together. It's great. He's my pastor. Like I've got, there's no like kind of animosity or, or like rival. Like we work together. It makes sense. Um, and I just like, man, I'd, be, I'd love you to be down the street again. But when he called me and told me, I instantly knew this is it. And I'm excited for you. And when I was able to share that with him, he's like, yeah, we feel excited too. And we don't really know why. So they kind of began a journey of discussion and figuring it out. And last Sunday at Elam, they announced, um, the, the lead pastor there, Josh, announced that he was going to be transitioning out and that Jared and Aaron would be taking the place there um, in Lyman, New York. So I say this this morning, I was going to say it during the announcements. I'm like, you know what, this is the same thing as my message. It's God planting a seed. We don't know what he's doing, but on the other side, he's building something. He's doing work. And so even with Jared stepping into this position of an influential church in upstate New York, we're like, God, 
I see that you are doing something. We don't know where this ride's going to take us. We don't know what you're going to do through Jared and through his ministry there. But we have to realize he is always faithful and he's always doing something. He's always building his kingdom. That makes sense? I get real emotional about this because it's, it's my, my life. To see his kingdom advance and just to be able to be a part of it is amazing. We sit back and like I joked earlier, we look at the words spoken over me, the words spoken over Jared, my wife, the other, the other people involved in the planning, the words spoken over Kenny and Selena, the words spoken over Linda, the words spoken over Robert. There have been words spoken in your life, right? Most of us have had some kind of quickening in our hearts or a prophetic word over you. If you've been around Robert too, a little bit, you've probably had a word over you, right? I say that seriously. God is a God who plants seeds, and we often don't see them. Just this last week, I was at college, and I had a professor prophesy over me a word that was spoken over me when I was like 16 years old and didn't quite understand. Like, I'm sitting there at the lunch table with this professor thinking, you don't even believe in prophecy, and you just prophesied over me what I was wondering what it's going to look like. Does that make sense? We have to hang on to the God's kingdom is sure and will be built. He is Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides, the God who works on the other side, the God who works in the dirt, the God who works in the seat, and he grows something out of it. That's who he is. And I want to encourage you this morning. Jared will still be my pastor, even if he is the pastor at Lima. We've already talked about this. Like, it's just who he is to our church. The cool thing about Lima is he doesn't have to be there every week like I have to be here all the time. So he can come visit us just as much as he's been last year. Um, And they understand that. They are a church planning church. They are a system that is set up so that Jared can go as many times as he wants to go anywhere he wants to go. It's pretty awesome, right? So it's a blessing for us that he has taken that position. And we're just excited knowing that God's doing something. I want to read a quote um, what time is it? Before we wrap up here this morning. Talking about the, the mustard seed and the leaven. But specifically the mustard seed right here. Um, author Robert Capon says this. The mustard seed the mustard seed grows up into something bigger than all the vegetables. It puts forth big branches and it becomes a tree under whose shade the birds of the heavens make their nest. He just broke it down. That's what the seed does. That's what the parable says it does. But think about that for a minute. This thing in your heart is bigger than what's inside your heart. The thing that you can't see is bigger than the thing you're dreaming of. God has dreams for us and aspirations for us that we can't even begin to dream about because we look at it with a lack of faith, looking at the obvious and the physical, and so often we can't hang on to the spiritual and be faithful. Make sense? I'm encouraging you this morning, be faithful to what God's planted in your heart. I don't know what he has in store for you personally, but I trust that he has planted his kingdom in the world, in this city, and in you. I know that his promises will happen. That really excites me. That really excites me. It excites me to know that God's promises for Mike will happen. It excites me to know that God's promises for Ben will happen. 
I've, the reason I can point them out is because I know some of the things in their hearts. I know the visions, and I'm excited to partner with it and to know that he will do it. It might be next year. It might be this year. I personally believe a lot of this is going to be this year. I, I, I really do believe that I can't say too much more about that. I believe there's a lot this year for us. But know like the promises to Abraham, we have a promise of a kingdom that goes beyond our time. It goes beyond what we see today. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. 